Well, we're looking back to the Bible reading that Heather has given us just a moment or two ago, and one of the verses that she read would have been, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And we're going to take that topic tonight under the title, The First Christmas Carol. Let's bow together just briefly in prayer before we do. Heavenly Father, again, we thank Thee that we're found together under the sign of Thy Word. We pray that Thy Word will be precious to our hearts, will arrest us where we are, and will demand out of us, as the Word always demands, a response. And may that response be, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Help me to do what Mary did, and to embrace the Christ who came to Bethlehem so many years ago to claim Him today as my Savior. Come and answer prayer, do us good tonight. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Muzak, which is a popular musical channel, they rank the most popular Christmas songs that were available on their holiday channel. And making the top five for Muzak were these, and I'm sure you'll recognize some of them at least, if not all of them. Chestnuts, Roasting on an Open Fire, then what I thought would have been near the top of the list, White Christmas, then we have Winter Wonderland, Silver Bells, and there was a tie for the fifth place, and that tied between I'll Be Home for Christmas and Jingle Bells, and you probably thought, well, why is Jingle Bells so far down the list? You might have thought it would have been higher. Well, we'll give another body another chance of coming up with their top five Christmas songs. So over to USA Today, FWV, and they come with ten of the best Christmas songs. We are only going to look at the first five on their list for sake of comparison. And they had listed number one, Christmas Time is Here. Not that familiar with that. Last Christmas, even less familiar. Merry Christmas to you. All I want for Christmas is you. And Christmas Eve or the Carol of the Bells. Those would have been their top five Christmas songs. And I'm looking down both lists. And I'm thinking, isn't there something missing here? Because in... Muzak's list, nothing on the list remotely to do with Jesus Christ. And when we look again at the USA Today list, nothing on their list to do with the Lord Jesus Christ at all. And I'm thinking, is he not the reason for the season? Should his name not be featuring somewhere? And would there not even be a Christmas song that we would recognize that applies to him found on that particular list? Well, As we looked into Silver Bells, maybe we got a hint and a reason as to why the Lord Jesus wasn't really featuring too high at all, because according to Silver Bells, this is Christmas, Santa's big scene, and in many hearts and in many homes, what do we find? That he has been, Jesus Christ, nudged out and replaced by none other than Santa. It seems there is precious little time for 
Jesus. And I trust that's not the case in your home, but at this Christmas season, while you'll be delighted to receive present after present, open them up, enjoy them, enjoy them through the day, that you'll pause to think that the real reason for the season is the Savior who came to save people from their sins, and His name is called Jesus. That's why we have come tonight to Luke chapter 1 and the verse 39 through to the verse 56. And I'm calling it the first, the original Christmas carol, the first song that was sung celebrating the appearance of the Lord Jesus as He was coming into the world. It's a song that was sung by Mary after her visit with her cousin Elizabeth. The song is usually referred to, and don't be put off, by the big word here, magnificat. That's a Latin word, and it's simply because it is the first word in the song that Mary is singing in the Latin version here in Luke 1 and in the verse 46. But you know what you find about Mary's singing? And that's true of her singing, but not true of so many other singers that we have uh, going about in the world scene today, what we find in her song is it was full of references to the Old Testament Scriptures. And if you were sitting listening to Mary's song, as we have it here in Luke chapter 1, and if you knew your Old Testament Scriptures, you'd be saying, ah, that's from Isaiah, that's from Zechariah, that's from Jeremiah, all of these connections and passages that are all being crammed into the very scriptural song of Mary, the first Christmas carol, as we're calling it tonight. Quotations from the book of the Psalms were there. Also the song of Hannah that we have in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and the verse 1 to 10. Those references were in the song as well as many of the prophets that she was quoting. Now what I want to do tonight in the moments that remain to us, I want to hit three big notes that Mary hit here, and they are three reasons why we should lift up our praise to the one on whom her song was centered, her Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And the first big note that we're going to hit on the way through tonight is a note that I'm calling redemption. God has rescued the individual. God has rescued the individual. There is redemption in her song. Mary sang, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She talks about might the mighty one having done great things for her. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Now I'm noticing something there. In all of Mary's singing, the note that I'm getting loud and plain is this. Mary is acknowledging that she is a sinner, that she's a sinner, and that she needed a Lord to trust for her own personal salvation. You see, I don't find any indication anywhere in the Bible that Mary had this thought in her head that she didn't have sin, that she was sinless. Some people tell us that, but the Bible certainly doesn't. Now, the Lord was the one who saved her. Not only did He save her, He gave her the high privilege of selecting her to be the mother of this coming Messiah. 
And so Mary says in her song in Luke 1 and 48, He that he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. He has regarded me. In other words, the Lord in heaven has looked down upon me, Mary is saying, has looked down upon me in favor. Out of the multitudes, can you think of it? Think of the mothers in Belfast tonight, the many mothers in this city. Well, there she's back in Israel, and she's looking around and saying, mother after mother after mother, and thinking, no doubt, the Lord could have chosen any one of them. But he has chosen me. He has showered his grace upon me. He has shown favor to me. And you know what? It's very important that we should get before the Lord and say, Lord, show your favor to me. Be merciful to me. There was once a man that went to the temple. And here's his prayer. Simply this one line. God, be merciful to me a sinner. And that's what Mary was thinking about. And she's rejoicing in the redemption that God has given to her. Do you know what God does? He looks into this world, and usually the people that are neglected or the people that are rejected, He comes and He chooses them. People who feel insignificant, people who feel overlooked, people who feel they're just drifting through life and it's quite aimless and with little purpose and we're unnoticed and we're not appreciated by anybody. Well, you're the very person the Lord will have his eye upon. Mary reminds us of that. God sees those who this world neglects and rejects. And yes, we have nothing in ourselves, but we can have everything in Christ. And that's what Mary is rejoicing in, the redemption, the purging of her sin by Jesus' blood. That was a keynote in her song. But then we come to the second out of three million notes. We have redemption. The first one, God has rescued the individual. Then we have the second one, restoration. God has rectified the wrongs. And many people, you just tune into the news and you think, society is broken. It's keeling over. This is all bad news that I'm listening to. Terrible headline following another terrible headline, followed by another one. This is so depressing. Who's going to set all the wrongs right? There's only one who can. But Mary acknowledged that in Luke 1, 51 to 53. She said, He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, exalted them of low degree, filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. So what her song is doing here is focusing on the work that the Messiah has done and would do. And we can see how often she's thinking about the Lord in her song. So it's not the Muzak list, and it's not the USA Today list here. This song has reference after reference after reference to what God is doing and going to do. It is all about Him. Why is that? Because God is the one who sets things right. It is never us. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the pride and imagination of their hearts. That's two things. He hath put down the mighty from their seats, exalted them of low degree, were on form. Number five, he hath filled the hungry with good things. The rich he hath sent empty away. So Christmas, 
Let's see it as it should be. And it should be all about Him. And He alone will set everything right. I read a story which is very interesting about robbers that broke into a shop. Now those robbers, when they broke in, don't know if they smashed the door or came in through some window or whatever, but they went into the shop. And the robbers didn't do what robbers usually do. They didn't take anything. What they did was they went through all the items in the shop and they changed the price labels. Every single item. And the next day, the customers came in and they saw these incredible bargains. Expensive watches, five pounds. Computers, 20 pounds. Big screen television, only 30 pounds. On the other hand, if you wanted a packet of rich tea biscuits, 120 pounds. And if you wanted a bottle of detergent, you'd spend a thousand pounds on that. They were really taking the hand. But you know something? The gospel of Jesus Christ has an effect like those robbers. God enters our world and He turns everything around. The values of the world turned upside down by Him. Those rejected become loved by the Lord. The forgotten become cherished. Nobody's become somebody in sin. Dark black sin is forgiven. That's why when he was going about his work and ministering, people started to complain. You know, the righteous people who thought they were brilliant folk, that everybody should bow down to them, and they say about Jesus, this man's a friend of sinners. How can that be? Well, that's why he came. He came to be the friend of sinners, the Savior of sinners, my Savior, and yours as well. And we trust that you, by His grace, will seek Him. That'll be the greatest gift this Christmas. When He comes into a life, He changes you around. You become a new creature in Him. And of course, in Christmas, the real blessing is not stuff, but the Lord Himself. So we've looked at a couple of things here. Redemption, that was the first big note in Mary's song. Then we've seen restoration, where God changes things about, rectifies the wrongs, and He can change you for the better. That's for sure. Change you by His grace and power. The third thing, realization. And the realization that Mary had shown in her song is this, God has kept His promise. God has kept His promise. And so in Luke 1, Verse 54 and 55, listen to what she sings. He hath hopen or helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. In other words, Mary saying, God has done exactly what he said he was going to do. I hear many people have said things to you, and they've made a promise to you, and they've said, now, I'll do this. And then you turn up, and you're expecting that promise to be made and fulfilled, and you can't see them for dust. They've gone away, and the promise never is made good. And you're disappointed, and you feel cheated, and let down, and abandoned, and all of that. Mary is saying, God does not do that. He always keeps His Word does exactly what he has said he would. Do you know that the Bible is full of promises? 
absolutely full of them. The birth of Jesus the Messiah was the fulfillment of God's promise. It tells us He does keep His word. He's able to do what He has said. He will accomplish all that He has promised. Don't know if anybody's into mouths here. Wasn't really my subject in school. Give me art and fill the day with art periods and just throw the mouths away. That would have been my style. But if anybody's into mouths, according to the Bible... This Messiah, Jesus, had to be born of a virgin. The birth had to take place in Bethlehem. He had to grow up living a sinless life. He had to, just one feature here, ride into Jerusalem on a foal 173,880 days after the command to rebuild Jerusalem back in Old Testament times. According to the Bible as well, he had to suffer to lay down his life for our sins. Isaiah 53, we can read all of that there. And we have... In the Old Testament, first part of the Bible, big section, 300 prophecies about Messiah's first coming. And it's incredible if those should all be fulfilled, and they absolutely were. Now to the mathematician, George Heron, French mathematician, what he worked out was this. The odds of one man, and we were talking about 300 prophecies there, the odds of one man fulfilling, not 300, let's scale the way down, 40 prophecies is 1 in 10 to the power of 157. So you're going to have to be writing down 157 zeros after the figure 1 there, and you'll be filling your page with 000, and think of the probability of that. Absolutely incredible. And as you and I face another Christmas, let's be thinking of the God who keeps His Word, of the one who has made promises. Be encouraged by what God has said. And I'll give you some promises that you can take home with you in your heart and mind. He promises, whosoever, whosoever, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Romans 10, 13, non-negotiable, wonderful promise, applies to you as much as me. God's promises, again, Romans 8 and 28, for those who know Him, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who were the called according to His purpose. Another of God's promises, I may be feeling abandoned, feeling alone. Well, here's a promise from God to me. Hebrews 13 and 5, he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Another promise, I have a decision to make. Big decision, could be a life-changing decision. How will I make it? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and here's the promise, he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 3, the verse 5 and 6. And then another promise that we have, we're thinking here of a time of grief and a time of loss. And we're reminded all who die in the Lord, they are going to live again in heaven forever. That emptiness that we feel, that loss that we feel is great, but it is only temporary because here's our Lord's promise. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. So what am I doing tonight? I'm going to ask you as I close, think about Mary's song. 
Have a look at it, another read at it when you go home. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through to verse 56. Reflect on what she said. Get the big notes in her song here and ensure this Christmas that the songs we sing, maybe even on Christmas Day, make sure that we sing a song that glorifies the Lord, praises Him for being the Savior of sinners like us, rather than just being gushy over mushy trivialities that we can so easily drop into.